As parents, we have a million questions, big and small, right? We have, what the heck am I going to cook for dinner tonight? How can I stop my son from throwing matchbox cars at my daughter? How am I going to get through the day, right? How are they going to live when they grow up? Like, how can this small child possibly move on out into the world as a fully functioning adult? I mean, these are questions we all have. And I'm really excited because I made something for you guys. I made you a present. And it's going to help answer a lot of these questions for you. It's going to help you find your answers to a lot of these questions. And to get it, all you have to do is go to weturnedoutok.com and scroll down a little bit on the front page to the button regarding the nine and a half key resources for old school parents. These resources are my favorite. They're the best and brightest things that that have helped me through my parenting crises. And not only that, but some of them weren't even around when my kids were small. And so you even have it better than me. (laughs) Uh, They include websites and books and and fun stuff that will make you laugh out loud and stuff that'll make you go, wow, I never thought of that. And just all the resources that you could possibly want to be a happier, less worried, more fun, parent. So head on over there right now and get them. The nine and a half key resources for old school parents, you can get them at weturnedoutok.com. Thanks and enjoy. Come on, guys. We Turned Out Okay, the modern parent's guide to old school parenting. I want to hang upside down from the swing set. Welcome to We Turned Out Okay with host Karen Locke Cole. I want to climb to the top of that tree. And now, here's your host, Karen Locke Cole. Welcome to episode 28. We're already at episode 28. It's a Your Child Explained episode, and today's subject is turning off the Wi-Fi and what that feels like for your child. Turning off the Wi-Fi, and not just that, but turning off the screens, like shutting, you know, giving, taking away access to tablets, phones, televisions, gaming consoles, everything, and what that really feels like from inside your child, inside the mind of your child. And we also have a Q&A. First, we're going to we're going to do a Q&A. I have been having a conversation, a really nice email conversation with a with a listener named Melissa. And she got in touch recently with a question. And um, I love how she she phrases it. She says, I will try and condense my thoughts into a question. But I'm having some trouble coming up with wording and not writing a book. (laughs) So here's what she came up with. And it's, it's, I mean, it's long in terms of like it's several sentences, but Melissa, it is, it's a great question. And some questions cannot be condensed into a soundbite. And and this is one of them. And I think this will really resonate with you out there listening as well. Here's her question. Our kids have headed back to school. And by the way, uh, Melissa's kids are ages eight, six, and four. So she writes, our kids have headed back to school and we are all having a difficult transition from summer to school routines. They don't have academic or behavioral problems at school, but come home angry, frustrated, and unable to express what is wrong. How can we as parents teach them the skills to deal with the big emotions they are having and let them know that we are here to listen and to help? So that is 
the beginning of it. And then um, Melissa gives us some background by saying, and, and here's where it gets a little bit longer, but I think this will really resonate with so, it really resonated with me and I'm sure it will resonate with, with, with you. Basically, she writes, I assume since at school they aren't eating enough, they don't, they don't drink water because they aren't allowed to go to the bathroom, they're a little bored because they're probably above grade level in most areas and aren't being challenged, probably feel like they aren't being heard, etc. They come home and are extremely angry and combative with, with us and each other. They also will not go to sleep. We've tried a bunch of different things after school to create a supportive environment like healthy snacks, coloring activities, going outside, not starting homework right away, giving them space, etc. But they just don't seem to be successful. It inevitably breaks it inevitably breaks down into angry outbursts that last for the rest of the night. My six-year-old said the other evening, I am so angry and I just don't know how to stop. And in the morning, the closer we approach leaving for school, the more combative they become again. And I'm going to, I'm going to include this next part. Uh, and I want to say before I do, it's, it's, it's about Melissa's husband's reactions. And they are so uh, common, so typical, um, these reactions. My husband has had them too. And I'm sure a lot of moms also have them. She writes, my husband keeps asking about punishments and taking things away for their behavior. But I really feel that will have the opposite effect. I don't want to punish them. I want to understand what is bothering them and what we can work on or do proactively to deal with what is bothering them. So thank you so much, Melissa, for that question. It's really food for thought, isn't it? How do you, how do you, how do you help them? There's so much there. They're angry. They're frustrated. You're angry because, because of their behavior. You are tired. <laughs> it all and inevitably it happens, right? In the witching hour, they get home from school. I mean, maybe it starts earlier than that. But um, five or six o'clock at night, you're trying to make dinner. And they are just whirling dervishes of whatever crayon throwing fury. And it's tough. It's a really tough time. So I just actually, first of all, I just want to acknowledge that it is a tough time. And you're not alone in this tough time. I mean, I, I feel like that helps me understand that other people have gone through this and have have been successful. And I guess I also want to just say that uh, you're doing the right thing. You're asking the right questions. And so is your husband. It's valid to, to say, oh, my gosh, I just want to I want to make them understand the consequences of their actions. And to do that, I want to, I want to kind of teach them a lesson and I want to do that. I think in this instance, it's, it's not done willfully. Like, so a punishment, I feel like punishments are, I'm not, you know, I'm not really sure. I, people have a lot of different sort of meanings of the word punishment. It's, it's it can be kind of a loaded word if, if we're being honest. And I think of it more as I think of instead of punishing, I think more of disciplining. And I don't use that as a euphemism for beating up or something like that. I think that positive discipline, the way that, for example, my 15 year old the other night, uh, it, it's he's been kind of edging towards uh, he, he pushes it in terms of time that he can spend on a device at night. And of course, that is the that's the your child explained that's coming up after this Q&A, right? And so it's it's 1110. 
11, it's 11.15, it's 11.20. The other night it was 11.20. And now, of course, the other problem is <laughs> we're in bed a lot earlier than he is now. <laughs> so uh, he, we are relying on him to be self-reliant. But that's a good thing because he's, got, we're not going to be standing over him when he's, you know, 18 saying, you know, Sonny, it's time for you to shut off the Wi-Fi. He's got to figure this out for himself. But what we can do is we can build a scaffolding around him to help him do this. So the other night I went out of my bedroom and it was 1120 and he was still on the tablet. And I said, uh, I said, listen, it's 20 after 11. He said, oh yeah, I'm just finishing up. And I said, well, okay, here's the thing. You've gone 20 minutes over. So tomorrow night you need to stop 20 minutes early and you need to really pay attention in the future to this. 11 o'clock stop time. That is when you need to stop being on devices. And he he tried to argue with me, but not argue, but he basically said, well, here's my justification for why this was okay. And and I came back with, it's, it's not okay. This is a rule that we have. We have this rule for a really good reason. And you gotta, you have to live within these rules. And so last night, uh, at 10.15 or so, I, I said goodnight to him. And I said, you're shutting it off at 10.20, right? At 10.40, right? And he kind of said, yeah. And I said, and you understand the reasoning why, right? And he said, yes, I do. And he did. He, he you know, he he self-monitored. I was able to, I was in my room, but I was awake and listening. <laughs> so he he self-monitored and he sorted it out for himself. And the reason, anyway, I, t- I bring that up because First of all, I guess I bring it up because like when we solve these things for our children in childhood, it, they're still they still come up. I, I think of life as kind of a spiral and we're we're ascending, but we're also kind of going around in circles. And in this instance, like when we start instituting positive discipline at a young age, we can really rely on it later in their in our kids' lives to help us keep on the right track with them. So so that's a, that's a tangent, but it's why I believe that punishing in the sense of taking stuff away uh that kind of thing doesn't work. Uh in a lot of in a lot of cases there are some cases where it does work and where it's where it's necessary. Uh and I again, I do not mean hitting a child or spanking or anything like that. That's that's not when you spank a child what you teach a, sp- a child is to spank. You teach a child that violence wins. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. There's almost no situation. I can I can think of one story that I have heard in all of my teaching and learning about raising children that I thought in this instance, this makes sense. You could I could see a person making this decision. But I mean, there's thousands, literally thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of times where it does not where it, there is no justification for, for hitting a child. You teach a child to hit when you hit them. You teach a child that the bigger person wins, the stronger person wins physically. And that's not what we want for our kids. So and, and this in this situation, Melissa, in your situation, I know you're not talking about hitting them and neither is your husband. But I just wanted to bring that up because I think that's a really important place to start. So taking things away, um, you know, punishing, sending them to bed early, those kinds of things. Uh, sending them to bed early on principle because they've done something wrong. I guess that's that's a punishment. Or taking away food. Never, ever, ever take away food from your child. Never withhold love from your child. I mean, like, those are really important. We, I think maybe we ought to do a, an episode about appropriate discipline for, for little kids. Um, 
So I will try not to devolve any more into that here. Instead, I want to address the specific situation. So what I would say with for you, Melissa, and for your husband is, please, I would ask you to start with the assumption that your kids are doing the best that they can. You know, they're not, they're not misbehaving to hurt you or to get back at you or to, I don't know, to, to, to be whiny or something like that. They're doing it because they don't know another way to react. In fact, uh, the fact that your son could even say out loud, I am so angry and just don't know how to stop. I mean, that is a wonderful, that's a gift for a, for a kid. I don't know if he's the six-year-old or the eight-year-old or the four-year-old, but for a, a child eight or under to be able to, to identify their feelings and say, basically what, what your child is saying is, I need help with this. I don't know how to stop. I mean, what a, that's a gift. That's a starting point and it's a gift. And so I would ask you to first go on the assumption that your kids are doing the best they can. If you can, you know, you're doing the best you can, right? If you can say there's no maliciousness, there's no nefariousness, there's no facetiousness, all these things that sometimes we might put on our kids that aren't there. There's none of that. Your child's doing the best he can, the best she can. And if you have a child who's already setting an example for the others of expressing feelings and and asking for help with words, then please keep encouraging them to do that. Keep encouraging them to express their emotions because once you can identify an emotion, you're so much further along. I mean, you're you're it took years for my my now 15-year-old to be able to say I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling mad. I'm feeling frustrated. He was probably 10 or 11 because he he used to, when something would hurt his feelings or or make him angry, he would translate it into a physical feeling. So he would say, uh, you know, he would sort of fall down. He would say, oh my gosh, my knee hurts so much. Well, it wasn't his knee that hurt. It was his feelings that were hurt. And we've even talked about that now that he's older and, and um, because those habits die hard. And if we can get our kids into the habit of expressing their emotions and really figuring out what is their feeling. Now you've got a you've got a starting place. And I would say for without talking to you a little bit more, I mean, as long as as you think your question was, it almost wasn't long enough, because I'd love to know more about the specific situation. Uh, maybe we can get on the phone. I don't know, email me and let me let me know if we can get on the phone and talk about this a little bit more. Um, but in the meantime, I think I would ask you as like the kind of the third and, and biggest part of this, the certainly the part that's going to take the longest time. And I think uh, figuring that you've taken care of the other two things, you're, you're going on the assumption that your kids are doing the best they can and you're encouraging them to express their emotions with words. Uh, the biggest, the work really starts with this. Can you help your kids be more in control of their afternoons. In other words, can you help them make choices? I mean, you you, you talk wonderfully about trying different things to create a supportive environment after school with snacks, good snacks, coloring activities, going outside, giving them space, that kind of thing. Uh, and my question for you is how often do you say before they get home, all right, this is what we're going to do. And how often do you say to them, what do you want to do? 
we got an hour. What do you want to do before we before we start dinner or whatever? And I, I think and I hope and I've seen this work. If you can say to them, all right, we got these choices, these three choices. Do you want to make ants on a log? You know, uh, which is celery, peanut butter and raisins or chocolate chips. Do you want to make ants on a log? Do you want to play with Play-Doh or, or do you want to, uh, I don't know, take a bath, <laughs> stick your feet in the bathtub um, and make them three real different choices? Or I feel like three is a good number, too many choices. And everybody's just like, go, what? you know, everybody's really overwhelmed. Uh, and And if they say, you know, I'm so angry, I just want to punch a pillow or something like that then then let them do that. I mean, if they reject your choices and want to do something different, if you can at all make it happen and it's appropriate, then do it. I would ask, please, please, please don't let don't make screen time as we're about to get into. Don't subvert emotions into screen time. Don't say to them, okay, you know, don't give them the message that screen time is going to make it all better. Um, I hear so many parents say, well, they're really stressed. And so I've been giving them some extra screen time. And it's like, when you do that, and I I should say too, I'm not lecturing. I'm so guilty of this. Everybody does this sometimes. I'm so guilty of, of, of saying, all right, you know, I'll just let them settle down with a little bit of screen time. But it works the opposite way. It doesn't work that way. And we'll get into that in a couple minutes. So, so give, try and give the kids choices rather than saying, okay, this is what we're going to do. I mean, if you think about it, what's happened in school all day is they've, they're, even if it's the best schedule in the world, it's still somebody else's schedule. It's somebody else making choices for your children, for our children. And if we can give them some time in the day where, where they can make the choices. And, and I would say too, keep it loose. Um, so if they get off the bus and it's 3.15, say maybe you can, you can, you can take the first hour or hour and a half after they're off the bus to do, to make it their choice time, whatever that means. And maybe if they're not interested in making snacks, maybe you have some kind of a healthy snack that they can grab while you're doing whatever it is that you're doing. And then, so, you know, now it's four thirty, five o'clock and you got to be thinking about you. I mean, if you're, if you're anything like me, you got to be thinking about dinner and so maybe you've had some dinner kind of prepped, but maybe that's a time where you can say, all right, I'm going to be over here chopping up carrots and now is a great time for homework or now is a great time for you to watch Fetch with Ruff Ruffman or um, whatever the current, I feel like Fetch was one of our favorites uh, or Cyber Chase, you know, those kinds of PBS shows um, so that you can have half an hour to get your head together and and get dinner on the stove and then when that's done when you know when they're when their small amount of screen time is up now you can say to them okay let's uh can you come and help me make a salad or uh you know now is a great time for homework i mean try and figure out a routine that works for you that's loose but that you can kind of keep within each day and and give my my i think my real answer to your question is give them as much choice as you possibly can over their after school hours within reason you know they can't stay up until 11 uh they you know they they need they definitely need some limits and some i think that's a real part of so when i do my positive discipline episode <laughs> it's there's going to be a lot about structuring their days and their time so that they the part of the positive discipline becomes 
a schedule that really works and that steers everybody towards more positivity, more positivity. So I will leave it there. Um, Melissa, I really hope that helps. And you listening as well. Uh, Melissa, if you're listening, I guess I should say I hope that I hope that helps. And for other listeners too, I hope it helps you. Um, And if you have a question that I haven't addressed yet, please send it to me. Go to weturned.ok.com slash contact and just uh, type it in, type in your question. And there's a little, you have to fill out one of those little, I think it's a math question. You have to, you have to identify what's two plus four or something like that uh, and put that in there just so that we know that you're a real person and not a bot. And I can answer your question too. So um, hopefully that helps, Melissa. And uh, and now moving into the the Your Child Explained part of the episode. So for first-time listeners, Your Child Explained are episodes that come generally after a guest. So if we have a guest on Tuesday, the Thursday is the Your Child Explained. And what I like to do is to take one aspect of the conversation that I had with a guest and think about it from the perspective of your child. So in other words, really looking into your kid's head and and figuring out how does your child feel about whatever the subject was on Tuesday. Great takeaways for you on Tuesdays and then great takeaways for from the perspective of your child on every other Thursday. That These are the Your Child Explained episodes. So on Tuesday, this past Tuesday, in, during episode 27, we talked to, I talked to Heather Kemsky, who is a returning champion. She is a journalist. She's a mom. She recently took a, and she, I should say, she's got a fantastic approach to life, which is very much in the now, in the present time. And her her family this year took a vacation that they'd never gone on before. They went RVing in an, in like a Winnebago type RV for two weeks. And we talked in an earlier episode, I can't remember what episode, what number it was, but it was, I'm going to guess it was in like the late teens, early 20s. It was over the summer. It was part of summer camp. We turned out okay, goes to summer camp. And it was all, we did an interview that was a buildup to the, it, the, the RV trip. And then we did a postmortem. And what happened was I, I lost the postmortem. Like I recorded it and I loved it. I was so excited about it. And I went to try and record something else. And long story short, I deleted the second half of Heather's amazing interview. I'm so sorry, but I still am so sorry about that. But I love what she said on Tuesday, which basically was an editor told her early in her career when she first blew it and lost something in, in a computer that the, the redo is always better. And I really believe that to be true. We got to talk more about different things in the redo. So, uh, and that redo is from last Tuesday. And one of the most compelling parts of her interview this past week in ep- during episode 27, it was about the her kids and Wi-Fi because the kids were spending two weeks without reliable wi-fi or hence connection to friends they're they're 12 and 12 and 8 or 12 and 10 i'm sorry heather i can't remember but they're between 8 and and 12 and at that age there's definitely a little more social media type engagement there's there's there can be texting there's kick which is you know there's a couple of different apps for google hangouts that kind of stuff and i noticed this with my guys they really like to be in touch with their friends whenever they can and so her Heather's son was like, wait a minute, I'm not going to be able to talk to my friends like on a momentary basis. What is that? That can't happen kind of a thing. And and Heather said, well, 
I I love this. She said, you know what? If they're really your friends, they're going to be back. They'll be waiting for you when you get back. And as I said, one of the most compelling parts was Heather sharing about how they would get to a new campground with mini golf and a pool and sometimes like, you know, along a beach or with ice cream. I mean, like amazing things that every kid loves, right? Arcades, that kind of thing. And her kids would be searching on their devices for the local Wi-Fi connection and just searching and searching. If they couldn't find it, they would, you know, they'd sit on like one corner of the, of the, the general stores steps because that was the best place to get Wi-Fi in the whole place. And, And just to watch them, watch them forego all of these amazing physical close to them experiences that they couldn't have at home in favor of, trying to get their little device to connect to the Wi-Fi was heartbreaking for her and, and upsetting. Uh, and, and the thing is, though, that they lived through it. And that's what today's episode is about. Uh, so I don't have any statistics. Re- I mean, real statistics, like I have not researched this recently. But I, from my perspective, from the way that I see it, there's such big money involved in keeping us all attached to our devices that even the American Academy of Pediatrics, so here's one statistic, okay. The American Academy of Pediatrics says that kids should have zero screen time until they are three years old. And the American Academy of Pediatrics is a really big, very benevolent organization. And I really believe that to be true. I mean, I've, I've, re- I've, I have, in the past, I have extensively researched this. Um, the American Academy of Pediatrics isn't gonna steer you wrong. at least in everything that I've seen. So if the American Academy of Pediatrics says that kids should have no screen time until they're three years old, and that's a peer-reviewed, gigantic association dedicated to the well-being of our children, and nobody takes their advice. (laughs) I mean, that's a serious situation. We certainly didn't take their advice. God, I, I, I wish we had. I know a few families who did, and and I think that's great. And it's amazing. And, and I mean, I think it's hard to tell now that they're all a little bit older, like who, you know, who didn't have screen time until they were three and who did. But but can you imagine not letting your child have any screen time until they're three years old? So so instead of statistics, because that's the only one I can really wrap my mind around, I'm going to tell you a story. We've just come back from vacation. And in the week the buildup to vacation, I was feeling very worried about like, not being on Facebook and not being on Twitter and not, you know, uh, not keeping up, quote unquote, with social media. And I was worried about it from a from a podcast perspective, you know, I I really like to be able to get you guys the episodes that are new and, and be able to post about them and shout about them so you can find them on the web. And so I was talking about this in in my coaching group, which is called Solo Lab. It's uh, Michael O'Neill's solopreneur hour coaching, uh, like the, you know, the, God, I'm sorry, I'm losing my words. It's the coaching program that Michael formed because the people listening to the solopreneur hour podcast really needed it, really wanted it. And I was fortunate enough to get in there in a really kind of amazing and cool way. And, um, And you can hear all about that. And I believe it's episode three of this show of We Turned Out Okay, because that Michael O'Neill was my guest that day. He helped me start the podcast. He helped me figure out what, you know, what you want and what you need 
you listening. And anyway, so uh, we're in Solo Lab. We're in our weekly hangout, which is one of the great favorite benefits of Solo Lab. And Michael and everybody, in fact, it wasn't just Michael, it was the other people. I'm saying, oh my gosh, how do I drop this for two weeks? You know, I, I'm afraid, basically. And they were like, have, have you, you been, you haven't had a break since you started the podcast back in May, right? And I was like, no. <laughs> and they were like, drop it. Just, you know, he, Michael says, make sure that you're, you're scheduled, you're, you, you have your podcast scheduled and going and, and there has not been an interruption. Now we're back from vacation. So I was able to do that. And he said, then don't, don't do anything else. Just tune out. Don't do any social media. Just, just drop it. It'll be, it'll all be there when you get back. If you want to pick it back up was the message. And I, I took from that I, and I was still a little bit fearful. I was like, okay, so I'm talking about it with my husband. And I basically said, I'm on board with that, except regarding Instagram, because if you, a lot of people I think have found the podcast on Instagram, I've got a, a nice, big, wonderful, friendly, awesome following over there. It, it's at We Turned Out Okay on Instagram. And I was like, how do I not keep posting for these, for these people? I mean, they're, they're kind of expecting that. And Ben was so funny. He's like, he's like, did they say all social media? It, it, like in regarding, in terms of talking to the people in Solo Lab. And I was like, well, he's like, did they say all social media? <laughs> I'm like, yes. He goes, is Instagram social media? I'm like, yes, but he's like, there is no, but you don't do it. If, if, you know, you don't do it, if it's social media while you're on vacation. And I ended up, I made a compromise there because the thing about Instagram is it's part of, it's kind of part of a meditation that I have every morning. Um, not, not, so I didn't do it every morning over vacation or, but, or every day. But every day, generally, and most days while we were on vacation, I read a, a little entry from a book called Simple Abundance. It's a book of days. And so there's every, you know, today I read today's dates uh, entry. And they're like a page or a page and a half. And I'm really finding that this book is blowing my mind. And it really is a true meditation to get up in the morning and read it almost first thing. And then I take I've been finding a lot of inspiration in quotes, like I will, I will read a quote somewhere and and make a note to either write it down. So part of my hand and arm recovery is every morning, during this meditation, I write part of a quote. Uh, it'll if it's a paragraph, it'll take me like four or five days to write it down. But I'll try and just write a little bit every every morning, something inspiring, something that I love. And then I sometimes will even take those things and post them on Instagram. And so I I I really thought about this, and I decided that the social media part of it, the part where you're like constantly connected to other people, and you're you're going down the rabbit hole to find out, I don't know, uh, to find out what hilarious thing happened to a friend or something like that. Um, those are the things that I dropped. I dropped the social media aspects of social media, but I kept the meditative part of Instagram, and it really it made it a really nice vacation. A lot of, I was able to really slow down and like have just these kind of contemplative moments. And I bring it up because if I'm having trouble, if I'm worrying about disconnecting, I'm an adult who knows right from wrong. And I know the dangers of too much screen time. And I'm having trouble. Imagine how much trouble it is for, for our children. 
I mean, it's really, really hard. So instead of debating theory or talking about like, you know, the big money versus the American Academy of Pediatrics or something like that. Instead of debating that, what I thought we could do was talk about disconnecting, not just for an afternoon, but for days at a time. And we don't do this often. You know, we probably do it less often now that the kids are older. Um, and Well, maybe it doesn't have so much to do with now that the kids are older. But I would say since we since we've had solid Wi-Fi and smartphones in our, you know, in our little hands or whatever, it's just become a fact of life that you just you just know it and you you sort of go on. If you want to find something out, you just find it out. Um, we in our house we have a rule that you don't look stuff up at the dinner table. Um, you just you just don't. And I love that rule. I feel protected and safe because I know that we have this time at the dinner table that nobody can go around. Oh, I just want to see, I don't know what this thing is about or whatever. Uh, and. So that's, sorry, I'm mustering my thoughts. So if it's difficult for us to leave it, you know, how difficult it is for your child. Uh, and what I want to do is I want, I want to ask you to think about, you know, you've just, you, your child has just kind of binged on an hour's worth of screen time. And now you're looking at her. What do you see? What do you see when he finishes up with his screen time? What's, what are they like? If they're anything like my boys, it is the screen goes off and either the whining starts or the random kind of screaming, noise making, running around, jumping up and down. Um, they they can't. It's like the 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 screen, the act of watching, passively watching, makes us certainly makes them. I think they just store up energy. And when they are done, when you, when, especially when you make them shut it off, they're not going to shut it off on their own, right? So now you're making them sh- shut it off and, and, you know, you're getting like, oh, I'm hungry, you know, and you just, <laughs> you want to scream. Uh, I, if you take a really close look at them after they've had a fairly extended bout of screen time, it's a, it's astounding what they look and act like. So if we're going to, talk about the idea of disconnecting. I guess I also want to get into like, why? What's going on in there? What's going on inside their heads after the screen shuts off? And I think it really has to do with just the the act of sitting quietly, you know, passively taking in stuff. And it's all this flickering stuff kind of, and it's loud noises and it's this and it's that. And now my little guy, when my youngest, when he was young and still to a certain point, to a certain extent, he, if he hears a loud noise, he reflects that he spits it back out at you with a loud noise of his own. I mean, to the point where, uh, when he was really small, like if a, if a horn honked and it startled him, he would, he would scream, he would like shout. Uh, and then it, it sort of went into, if a horn honked, he would honk, he would loudly honk, he would make a noise like a honk. Um, so, like all that action and noise has to come out of them. I feel like that's, that's what's going on in there. They're collecting and collecting. (laughs) There's a lot, a lot, a lot of input and then it all comes out and it doesn't come out pretty. It comes out in uh, tears or fits of anger or yelling or restlessness that, that you just can't, you know, stop. 
And so I, I would feel, especially when they were young, like the benefits of having half an hour to myself were, were not outweighed by the, uh, just the result of all that. Like I would have whiny kids who, who, who just couldn't control themselves. And, but even so I would go back to it day after day because like, how do you not? (laughs) So the idea of disconnecting, doesn't that seem like a bit of a scary idea? not just for an afternoon, but for days at a time. And yeah, as I said, we didn't, we didn't do this very often. And it has, it's, it's only really become like, now that my kids are older, when they were four, five, six, two, three, four, whatever, we didn't have, it was still very much a world of, oh, rough rough you know fetch with rough roughman is on at five o'clock in the afternoon it wasn't you can turn it anything on at any time and get anything that you want so it's really a kind of down the rabbit hole thing for for you all with young children now but it's doable it's doable um i have to say that when i originally kind of came up with the notes for this episode i uh we had we were just about to go on vacation i just shared that story about you know, my own decision about screen time. And we basically decided, my husband and I decided that for for the staycation part of our vacation, we were able to go away to Cape Cod where there was no, there was almost no cell service. I mean, it was, it was so amazing and wonderful. But when we came home, we said to the boys, we're shutting off the Wi-Fi. We're literally flicking the switch and shutting it off. And especially my older one was like, you're what? Like, you can't do that to me. Just like Heather's kids you know, they're, they're freaking out about what is this going to mean? What if Max kept saying, what if I want to listen to music? Because a lot of what he listens to is on Spotify. What if I want to look something up? What if I have a friend I want to talk to? And, and we, it was real. I loved how Ben did this. And I have to say, getting back to Melissa's question, my husband handled this so incredibly well. He, he, I think he really gets Max, which is so great. Thank you. Thank you. My husband, my wonderful husband. Um, I was, I was sort of, I was trying to be like the comforting mom. It'll be okay. You'll see it'll work out. They'll still be there when you get back. You'll have other music, that kind of a thing. And Ben finally said, he asked, okay, so, you know, we, we can't have it on all the time. You want it on all the time. Your mom wants it on zero time. We have to come up with some kind of a compromise. So so what do you think, Max? What do you think our 15-year-old is a good compromise? And and I mean, Max wanted it like every, he wanted it for hours in every day. He wanted to be able to turn it on and resume his same routine that he, that he always has. And we eventually worked it out so that every probably third day we would turn on the Wi-Fi. And it was amazing amazing things happened when we shut off the wi-fi when it was literally not available to us amazing things happened they they did we did amazing things um even just sitting around at home like books were being read again (laughs) and there was a lot more kind of family time like where we would all be in the same room concentrating on the same thing and laughing together or or playing a game or whatever um and I mean, I think that Max especially didn't believe that that could happen. I think he really thought he was staring at the abyss and he thought to himself, I'm going to go over this cliff 
and never return? How will it be without Wi-Fi? I don't know. It's so scary. And there was, we were probably three or four nights into it. And he said, hey, you know, is the Wi-Fi on? Like we had had, I feel like Ben and I had had it on uh, to do some, to do some work. And we, it was, there was, there was a day that Ben kind of got called out of vacation. He had to do something for his work. And so that night, it's like 10 o'clock at night, Max says, is the, is the Wi-Fi still on? Because if it is, I, I'd like to get on. And we kind of look at each other knowing in our, in our, we're looking at each other and acknowledging, yes, the Wi-Fi is on right now, but we forgot to shut it off. So we need to shut it off. And Max, in that pause, in that hesitation where Ben and I looked at each other, Max said, it's okay if it isn't, I can deal with it. And you could just see like the confidence in his face and in his whole attitude. He's a person who is, he's looked into the abyss and he's been fine. And that's, I feel like that's a huge lesson about disconnecting from the Wi-Fi. They find other things to do. They really, really do. And it's, it's good for us to do that, to have that. We, by the way, we did say, yep, the Wi-Fi is off. And then I think Ben went and shut it off. Um, It's, it does feel scary. And that's exactly like getting back to what happened with Heather. That's exactly what happened with her kids. They figured out good stuff to do. They reconnected with each other. They, they, as siblings, they sort of were like, Hey, <laughs> you're a pretty fun person, you know? And that's, that's what happened with our kids too. They, they, they got silly together. They horsed around, you know, they roughhoused a little bit more. And I hope what we want is for that to continue now that we're done with vacation. Uh, so, so just like my kids, just like Heather's kids, when screen time is not available, when we say, okay, you know, screen time is done, even if it is just for an afternoon or whatever, but even if it's for a longer time, our kids find things to do. And so do we. So while I was not on social media, I hear some great things that happened. I finished, I read, uh, I started and read and finished a book called Gift from the Sea by Anne Morrow Lindbergh. It was written, I think in the 50s, it was originally written. And it's such a great book. It's just about, it's it's really told from the perspective of a woman and, and a mother. And what she's figuring out in this book is how can I do the best job? Like, what do I need emotionally to do my job well? And I mean, her, the lessons that she concludes really, really resonate with me, a wife and mom and in a, in a little bit more of a, I don't know, what do you call it? A a traditional household. I mean, it hasn't been because Ben's been doing a lot of my work with my, cause I have this tendinosis. I have this compromised uh, arms and hands, but in general, like my, <clears throat> I love this comparison, this idea that, that the mom is, and I'm sure a lot of you moms out there feel like this, and maybe some of the dads too, especially at home parents, whether you're a mom or a dad, you are the axle, not that the axle, you are the center of a spinning wheel and the wheel is constantly spinning. There's the dinner part of the wheel. There's the get everybody where they have to go, you know, drive people around in the car. There's, there's uh, making sure that homework is done, making sure that kids are on the bus, making sure that breakfast gets eaten, that food gets consumed, that it's good food, that everybody's sleeping, that you are having a good relationship with your spouse, that, I mean, there's just all of it, that you're maintaining relationships with friends that make you feel alive and that your work, because I mean, no, almost nobody 
is just a, 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 I don't mean even just, almost nobody is only an at-home parent. We all are are out in our world in some way. I mean, uh, whether it's, whether it's paid or voluntary, whether it's, you know, we're all out in the world in some way. And anyway, so Anne Lindbergh summed up this incredibly well. And I just, I wanted to hug this. In fact, I did hug this book to my chest several times while I was reading it and when I was done. So I read that. I read um, some other great books that I'm going to hopefully talk about in future episodes. Um, one about positive psychology, actually. And I, I'm loving it. And and I think mo- what are the lessons that I really took from it, from disconnecting from social media and kind of reconnecting with the with the physical <laughs> with the non-virtual people around me was that that when you can free up like blocks of time to have even if your block of time is is an hour either alone you know for your own kind of the that idea that my alone time is for your safety kind of a thing um even if you can free up an hour to do one thing or, you know, a couple hours to kind of block to have this is my quality time with my child. This is this is the time when I'm going to be listening to my favorite radio show and making dinner. Uh, this is the time when I'm going to exercise like those. If we can block those things out into bigger blocks, it's it's great. And we can't do that if we are constantly, oh, I got to check my Facebook feed. Oh, oh, I, I have, you know, I just read this great article. Now I'm going to report about it on Twitter because you end up just down the rabbit hole. You can't, you know, an hour later, you're like, oh, yeah, what was I going to do? <laughs> so try it. Disconnect the Wi-Fi. Just shut it off and see what it feels like. Uh, and live through, ride out the fear, you know, acknowledge it and ride it out and and do that for your child as well. And I, anyway, um, I hope it helps you worry less and have more fun. Enjoy more with your kids and for yourself. That's episode, that's today's episode of Your Child Explained. And I really hope that it's helped you see things from their perspective and also make some decisions about, about your parenting. Uh, I, that's, that's my goal. That's my hope for you all. And I want to thank you so much for listening. Melissa, thank you very, very much for, um, for giving me your question. I hope it helped. I hope the answer helped. And if you have a question or something like that, everybody else, please send them on to me. I want to help you too. Uh, Yeah, thank you so, so much for listening. I really appreciate that you have me in your ears at this moment. And I want to say a special thanks today to our producer, the man who is absolutely right about Instagram and so many other things, the 18-time winner of the Husband of the Year Award, Benjamin Culp. Thank you so much for listening, my friends. We will see you next time. Do you have a question about something your kid is doing that is driving you crazy? Well, don't let that continue. As Gordon from Sesame Street always says, asking questions is a good way of finding something out. Put my master's degree in early childhood education and years of experience working with young children to work for you. Go to weturnedoutok.com slash contact or email me at karen at weturnedoutokay or ask your question on the Facebook fan page, which is the We Turned Out Okay podcast page or Instagram at WeTurnedOutOkay, or on Twitter at StoneAgeTechie, or you can even snail mail it to me, Karen Lockkulp, P.O. Box 61, Bellingham, Massachusetts, 02019, and you'll get your question answered here on a future Your Child Explained episode. We'll see you here for the next episode of We Turned Out Okay. Thanks so much for listening.